Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 37 of Poker All the Games, where we will discuss Squid Game, a less dangerous version of the Netflix series by the same name, but where death is still a factor. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Northeast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Since Martin and I share a fondness for mixed poker games, each of us has also written a book on mixed game poker, and we also enjoy trying new beers, we'll be starting off today's show as we do with each episode, me reviewing a beer from the United States and Martin reviewing one from Europe. So sit back, grab a beer, as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. I'm pouring a Poor Richard's Spruce Ale from Yards Brewing Company in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They classify this as a historical spice ale. So basically, a historical ale, which is a brewing style, brewed with spruce. Brewed with a spice, which is spruce in this instance. What classifies this as historical is that the beer is based on Ben Franklin's original recipe, which includes molasses and spruce clippings. This beer is actually one of several beers included in Yards Brewing Ales of the Revolution series, where they recreate several historical beers. Anyway, back to the beer. Let's have a smell. Well, I'm getting some spruce in the nose. No surprise there. Let's have a look. This beer pours very clear with a copper amber color and a decent head of foam. Now for the best part, let's have a taste. I'm getting some maltiness, spruce, of course, and a mild bitterness, which is coming maybe not only from the hops and maybe not even so much from the hops, but also um, coming from the spruce along with some earthiness uh, that is also coming from the spruce and uh, the hops, likely. There's a medium to light body with a light mouthfeel and uh, medium carbonation. I really enjoy the flavor that comes across my palate, but it's probably not a beer you're drinking more than one or two of at a sitting. All in all, Yards Brewing Poor Richard Spruce Ale can be summed up as an amber ale with spruce, coming in at 5% ABV, so it's a nice, easy drinker. Okay, I'm going to sit back and continue to enjoy this one while Martin describes what beer he has for us. Martin, which beer are you bringing us from Europe today? 
Okay, I'm looking forward to trying this one, Sean. It's a Belgian beer that I haven't tried. Uh, it's called St. Martin, or I suppose I should call it San Martin Triple. Um, and it has a, an alcohol content of 9.9%. Um, let's have a look. I'm just pouring it now into a nice long glass. It's a very clear yellow colour. Pretty lively carbonation, a nice, nice steady head of foam, white foam. Let's have a smell. It smells quite that's that's very fresh and fruity. That's very good. Okay, let's let's try. I can't place my finger on what fruit it is, but it's definitely fruity. And a little bit sweet, not overly sweet, nicely balanced. And um, yeah, there's a zesty, a zesty following, a zesty tang to it that follows. I think I detect a bit of coriander there as well. That's very, very tasty beer. Um, yeah, nice strong Sounds beer. Wonderful. I'll try to keep it all together today. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was gonna say you're you're gonna. <laughs> You're going to start to feel a buzz just from smelling that yeah, 9%. That is, that is very good. San Martin. So it's got my name, St. Martin. San oh, Martin Abbey beer. It's a nice, nice yellowy color. Very, uh, a very, this, this smells very fresh and the, the taste is, it's got plenty of flavor. Very good. Cheers. Excellent. Salute. Yes, I, I, I love Belgian triples. Yeah, there's usually a lot of um, character that comes through the nose and that's from, you know, and the smell and the flavors. And a lot of that comes from uh, from the Belgian yeast. Okay. You're the expert on those things. But I certainly yes, appreciate so it from my, from yeah. my side. I certainly appreciate the, the quality. All right. Well, enjoy. And uh, like you said, try to, uh, we'll see if you can hold it together here. We'll get moving on the podcast <laughs> before you have too much of that one. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to try different variations of poker. Whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager, we define the rules the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode, will be covering Squid Game. Martin, why don't you walk us through the game of Squid Game? Sure. Now, Sean, this is a fun game. Um, if you turn up to play some hands of Squid Game with Hoodie and... Uh, headphones and sunglasses, you're going to soon be, be, be throwing all those off because you need to join in the phone. Um, so it's not necessarily a game for the pros. It's a game for your home game where you where you can have a good laugh with your friends. Have you seen the Netflix series Squid Game, Sean? Yes, there's there's a lot of death in it, though. <laughs> I hope this game doesn't yeah. resemble that too much. Now, assuming the players are reasonably healthy, this this game shouldn't end in actual player death. But there is an element of death to it, um, which I'll come on to. Now, it's basically a, a four or five card Omaha game. 
which is a game that I think you covered at Four Card Omaha in episode three, Sean, I think. Maybe uh, one or two before or after that, but but somewhere around that. But yep, this is a game two. with episode two, right? Okay. This is a game with three boards. So uh, quickly going through the order of events uh, until I get to the fun bit, which I'll ex- expand on a bit more. So the two players to the left of the dealer button post the blinds. There's a dealer pitches four or five cards to each player, one at a time, face down, in a clockwise motion, starting to left the dealer button. Following that process, there's a round of betting. Then after that round of betting, the dealer burns a card and puts out three flops, three three card flops. Following that, there's another round of betting. Dealer burns another card, three turns each adjacent to one of the flops that's already there and another round of betting now we come to the fun part this is where the death happens um there are then the, the deal then burns a card and places three river cards out the lowest card of those three that board is now killed if there are two cards of that rank Two boards are killed. If there are three board, three cards of that rank, all boards survive. So if the three cards on the end are, say, Jack, seven, four, then the four, the, the board that that card appears on, all those cards are basically turned over by the dealer and play no part in the in the rest of the game and the showdown. So after that, after the river cards and the... Uh, and the assassination of a board or two. There's a final round of betting followed by showdown, and it's a split pot between. If assuming the two boards survive, that is between the Omaha hand that wins each board. Um, any questions at this point, Sean? Yeah, let me just make sure um, that we have it right here. So three, three separate boards are dealt, but only ever. Two are going to be played because the entire board with the lowest river card is removed, right? That entire five cards are removed. Yes. The only exception is when all the three river cards are the same rank. So if the dealer turns over, say, for example, a seven, another seven, and another seven, in that case, all the three boards survive. So that would be a three-way split. Okay. So usually yeah. it's just going to be a, a two-way split, most likely. Yeah, and, and sometimes one, because yeah. it's not so unusual that the lowest card is paired on the end. I mean, it's more okay. often that it's... Most often, for sure, it's two two boards, but, uh, yeah. Uh, all those possibilities are there. The entire board is removed. Indeed, indeed. That's right, yeah. So someone... <laughs> Is usually disappointed by that, so that's where the fun comes in. Everybody's uh, laughing. Oh, it's me again. <laughs> oh, it's you. Oh, good, it's your turn at last. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's uh, aptly named, having uh, having uh, been invented, I suppose, just after this Netflix series. It's quite aptly named, and it is it is really quite fun. Um, I wouldn't want to put yeah, all my bankroll down on this on the table playing this game, but no, yeah, it's, it's really it's, worse it's, it's than a fun game. 
being put in the ante or the blinds all the time because it's yeah, almost yeah. like your hand is just your your it's almost like somebody just grabbed your the cards out of your hand and said you're out of the pot at this point after all the betting it pretty much you know after almost all the betting has been taking place that's right yeah you can invest in a few bets before this happens before yes. you, before your your board dies <laughs> yeah sounds like a a game you know the the degenerate game you know like you said a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of gambling going on. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, how about some, uh, do you have some beginner's tips for us to, to get us started on this crazy game? Yeah, of course. Um, the obvious one is don't be the monk who needs a low card on the river <laughs> to complete the hand. Uh, the most obvious example of that being a low rep. So you have, uh, I don't know, six five two ace perhaps, and there's a three four on one board. Actually, the ace is not a good example. Let's say you have two, three, five, six, and there's an ace and a four on one board. Quite often, well, every in every case, if a two appears, that key, that board's always going to die. Uh, if a three appears, it usually will. So you don't want to be playing those low low raps. There are also other occasions where you can. It can be less obvious that you are looking for a low card to complete your hand. One example is where you have top set on a board like King four three two. So someone might have a straight with five six, or or even there might be a flush already out, depending on the suits there. You want the board to pair, okay? If the king comes, you got quads. That's one card there that you can hit. Super nuts. Four, a three, or a two comes, like I said before, especially a two, very likely your hand's dead anyway. So if you've got top set on a board like that, there's no point putting any bets in when somebody's being aggressive on the turn. Um, and a final example that's also not so obvious, if you have no flush drawn on one of the boards, or even two of the boards, two of the boards is quite a good example. You have two high... Let's say we've got spades. You have the ace of spades and the jack of spades in your hand. One board carries the king and the eight of spades. Another carries the queen and the seven of spades. And then on the third board, the nine of spades. That's an extreme example, but I've, I think I've listed all the spades above the number six there. So the spades that are left that can complete your hand are six, five, four, three, and that deadly two. So you can forget the two already. Usually you can forget the three. Most you've got three outs, but even the six can be the lowest card on the board. Just avoid those. Uh, read the boards and, and, and read the cards. Be careful to pick out which how big your outs are. You need to make sure that if you're still drawing to a hand, your outs are big ones. Um, the only other tip, I think, is, as I said, don't put your entire bankroll down on a table like this. Uh, because you can have the nuts with all redraws, any deuce on the river, and you, your hand is dead. Yeah, I was thinking it's in a way. My first thought that went through my head was, well, it's a little bit like no limit short deck, but not really because it's not just the low card that gets removed. You know, it could be a high board, and then it just happens that high board happens to hit the the lowest card and then high cards get removed. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a conundrum there, right. To, 
not look for a low wrap, like you said, a low straight or something. But yeah. um, the low card could hit a board that has a, a lot of higher cards on it already. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a risk. That's always a risk. You're going to be um, playing the high boards if you if you got any if you got any sense. You're not going to be playing the low boards where you have a wrap. But the river can still kill your hand. It's just that if you have a draw and you hit your draw, but you still lose out because that board disappears, then you've not you've not played a you've you've played a, a, a you've risked you've risked your your uh, your money badly because yeah, uh, there's always the risk that the board you're looking at or even the, the two boards you're looking at disappear. But um, if you're playing a draw, you, it's much better if if the cards that you hit that complete your draw won't be in in, in huge danger of uh, killing your hand. So if you've got a high wrap, if you have uh, king queen nine eight in your hand and the jack ten on the board, the lowest card that can complete your hand is an eight, and sometimes that can be the lowest of the three boards, but not always. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense obviously to avoid cards if that would complete your hand yeah, if yeah. they're if they're low. Yeah. Um what what number would you say below 6, below 8? What what kind of what do you usually see do you think um in your experience as far as, you know, what, what what's the lowest card you would want maybe to complete your uh your your draw? You gave an example a little earlier is that kind of typical? Yeah, I think uh, if you think about it, um, a third of the deck is four or lower, uh, five or lower. Yeah, I, I would if if if, a seven, if if I've got a wrap and the lowest card that can complete the wrap is a seven, I wouldn't be running away from that too quickly. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, probably play that. If it's a six, I'd be cautious as to what pot odds I'm getting if I'm calling somebody's bets. And I'd also, actually, another tip, and this is another obvious tip, try to be active on more than one board. Uh, don't put your eggs in, all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So pretty much you would just, as a general rule, especially when you're just starting to play the game, lower than a, if your draw needs something six or lower, um, you should probably think about folding and then look for, uh, yeah, but you you want outs on more than one board in case that board gets wiped out. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, don't also obviously don't always be, don't ever be results orientated. You can fold your hand correctly. And then you see that the three comes that you wanted and the other two boards are both deuces <laughs> you would have scooped. Um, that's that's just variance. Don't ever uh, see a hand like that and go on tilt and play chasing the low cards. Um, similarly, you could be chasing a high wrap, hit your wrap with a 10 and the other two boards are both even higher than the 10, jack and the king. You didn't do anything wrong, you know, you've you uh, you can't always you can't expect that a ten on the board is going to be the lowest card very often. You know it's uh, you got to accept the variance in this game, but but it's always always the case that play play the hands that uh, that give you the best expectation. <laughs> 
you know. Yeah, I don't really know what you're talking about, Martin. None of us in the poker community are results oriented, are right? <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> perish the thoughts. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right, indeed. let's uh, yeah. Yeah, let's go over some mixed game news. Um, I do have a, a comment that relates to some online play. So I was in an online tournament on a site, and there was a, a player who was sitting out. So they had the sit out check box checked, I guess. Um, and they were sitting directly to my left. So they were, you know, I was in the small blind. They would have been in the big blind, for example. And they were sitting out for quite some time in this tournament. And I was hoping, like I've seen on some sites, when it got folded around to the blinds, I was in the small, I would raise and then expecting their hand to get folded. And in this particular instance, in this game, their hand was not folded. The extra money I raised and the extra chips were just returned to my stack and they got to play out the hand. And this went on for quite some time. And I was in, I don't know, six, seven, eight hands with them. And every time we split a pot and then some other players came to our table finally and similar things happened and we just couldn't hear this player who was sitting out for much of the tournament. Just, we couldn't bust them. This person ended up actually <laughs> placing ahead of me and cashing um, for some reason. So wow. I just want to bring up that. I think, you know, it seems to me that online should follow live more closely where if you're, if you're sitting out, if you have the, the button check to sit out, you know, whether you had to run out of the restroom or you're just, I don't know, you had to leave the house or something, who knows, but, uh, you know, if you're not at the table, so to speak, and you have the button check to sit out, that your hand should should be folded. Um, <clears throat> if there's a raise, obviously, if it could just be a check, you stay in the hand. But if someone raises and you can't make the call, um, you, you should be folded out. Whereas, I mean, if it's live, it doesn't matter if you're in the big blind and you're not at the table. They just scoop up your big blind. But you know, I could yeah. see maybe online making an exception to that. Somebody's running back to their to their computer or something. But I do believe if you can't make the call to a raise, you should should be folded out. I don't know if you if you know if you've ever seen that, Martin, or what your thoughts are might be on on that situation. I agree with you that yeah, if, if the, the person's not sitting at the computer, even if they're being disconnected or something, the, the, the hand should just be folded. I think in the olden days there was a thing where. There was sit-out protection. I think that was just for fixed-limit games uh, where if, if – I'm talking about the really early days of internet poker. I think if somebody was all in – sorry, was sitting out and they had chips invested in the pot, they had basically what, what this person got in, in, in the game you're talking about, all-in protection where although they got chips left in the stack, the – blind they had out there was or, or anti depending on what the game is um was seen as all in so anybody any other action go, that goes on is a, is a side part but if any, any other players get involved in a, in action uh but i i think that, that that's a an old concept that i've not seen around for a long time so yeah i, I think that yeah in, in this case that you're describing Unless for some reason the site you were on still believes in that old uh, idea, then I think it shouldn't just have been the, the hands are folded and you get the, and the big blind goes to the person who made the aggressive act. 
All right. Thanks. What uh, That's all I have. What do you have uh, for us as far as uh, s- some news or a topic for discussion? Yeah. Um, just to, I'll just quickly mention that PokerStars mm-hmm. is running its WCOOP series as we record this podcast, and it will still be going on after the podcast is released. So if anybody wants some uh, decent level fields for uh, online mixed games play, have a look at that if, if you're in a jurisdiction where you can play on PokerStars. I've also got a thing I want to mention, and PokerStars is one of the sites that falls foul of my opinion of how eight games should be uh, rotated. In an eight-game mix on PokerStars, uh, you'll see the order of games being, first of all, limit triple draw, limit deuce seven triple draw. That's then followed by basically the horse games. So it's limit Hold'em, limit Omaha High Low Eight to better, Raz, seven card stud, stud high low eight to better. And then after that, no limit Hold'em and pot limit Omaha. I think that's terrible. All the stud games are together. The two big bet games are together. So the stud games being together can mean that a player becomes confused and is thinking that they're still playing Raz when the game's changed to seven card stud, or even more likely, because it's a low card that brings in in both games, they still think they're playing seven card stud and they're actually playing seven card stud eight or better. I know that there's a point that people can be making that would say, listen, those people should be should be paying attention to the game. But if people are not paying attention to the game, that's going to show up in how they play anyway. They don't. We don't need the sites adding another difficulty to that. And then also the two big bet games together, No Limit Hold'em and Pot Limit Omaha. They should be separated. Especially, I, I mean, I, I think it's a good concept to split the games up in a much more, uh, in a fashion which means that the player has to switch their attention from a, you know, from a flop game to a stud game. Every single time the type of game changes, uh, flop games, stud games, high-only games, low-only games, high-low games, Whereas with in this case, the flop games are together, the stud games are together. I don't think it's a good test of mixed games, of a mixed games mindset. And then, uh, yeah, the other thing is if a, a site does run tournaments with re-entries available, then if you imagine yourself as a medium to short stack and uh, the re-entries are going to be ending somewhat soon it'd be nice to be able to look at the schedule and think there's a big bet game coming up I can get my stack in at that point but if you've just gone through the no limit holding round and the pot limit Omaha round on seven on poker stars you're now looking at six consecutive rounds of fixed limit games and you you might have a stack that's never going to get it all in in that sequence sensibly um, it's, it's it's I think it for the players that's not the way to run an eight game mix. There are two other uh mixes, two other providers that offer better rotations. One is SWC Poker. I'll quickly run down their order of games: fixed limit Hold'em, fixed limit Stud High Low, Pot Limit Omaha, Deuce to Seven Triple Draw. 
seven card stud, no limit hold'em, fixed limit on my high low, and fixed limit ras. In that case, the stud games are all separated, the big bet games are all separated, and uh, it's a much more it is much much closer to what I think is perfect. But even better than that is the World Series of Poker, which runs No Limit Hold'em, Seven Card Stud, Omar High Low, Eater Better, Raz, PLO, Limit Hold'em, Stud High Low, Eater Better, and Dukes of Seven Triple Draw. In that sequence, again, all the stud games are separated and the big bet games are actually equidistant from each other. So it's a big bet game, three fixed limit games, big bet game, three fixed limit games, and repeat. Um, if you remember the uh, SWC poker game rotation has high-low, sorry, Omaha and no limit, only separated by two games and then four games. So SWC and uh, World Series of Poker have certainly have better than uh, Poker Stars. But... Um, for me, the best example is Welsh Use of Poker. One other item to mention, and I believe the Welsh Use of Poker does follow this principle, you shouldn't start the game on the first named game on the list. You should pick one of the eight games at random and start the rotation from there. So you, one, one of the tables in the tournament, if it's a tournament, will uh, pick out the ace to eight of one of the suits, put the cards on the table, shuffle them round, you pick one, and if the game is, if you pick an ace, then it is the first game, it's no limit, hold them first. If it's number two, seven cards stood, and then so on. That way, you don't get people turning up late for the tournament, because they don't like the first game. Um, and and Welsh Series of Poker is a good example, because I would turn up late to avoid No Limit Hold'em if I knew that that was going to be the first game every time. But it's not. They do pick out their game at random. So I would turn up on time. Any comments yourself on all this, Sean? Yes, I think uh, I think we're in agreement on this topic as well, Martin. We're, we're agreeing. I don't know if it's the beers or <laughs> we're just <laughs> we're really making sense yeah. today. Um, yeah, indeed. yeah, Pretty I well do. Yes, yeah. I do like the uh, the WSOP, like you mentioned, um, where they're mixing up the flop and stud games, except there's a point right where there are two flop games, but then th they are different because it's PLO followed by limit hold'em. So one, you get four cards and one, you get two. So that's quite, quite obvious. And, you know, there's not an equal number because we have a draw game instead of an extra stud game, yeah. but... Um, but you would know because one card, like I mentioned, get one game, you get four cards, the other two. And I, I do like the big bet games being equidistant from one another yeah, for the yeah. uh, for the reasons that you, you mentioned as well. There is there is one way that all the flop games could be separated because there's three stud games, a draw game and four flop games. They could do flop, stud, flop, stud, flop, draw, flop, stud. <laughs> I've not looked at that. Maybe there's a reason why they haven't done that that's that's associated with separating low-ball games and separating high-low games. But uh, that's maybe an improvement that could even be considered. Yeah, and they could it, put the deuce to seven yeah. triple draw between the PLO and limit hold'em. Yeah, that, that would be 
that's something I'd have to think about a little more as well. That that would definitely that would separate the games. I think that would work actually. At the moment, it's number eight in the ro- in the in the rotation that they, they publish. If you took that out of there and put it between the PLO and the limit holdem, you would now have all the games nicely separated, all the stud games separated, all the flop games separated, and the draw game in there to facilitate that. That separating of the two flop games, and that'll be a really good test of uh, moving from one mixed game to another, and then to another, and then to another. I, I actually like that idea. I do as well. We're we're not only in agreement; we are solving the world's poker problems in this episode. Good ideas always start with a full glass. Is a line from a song by Drive By Truckers. I don't know if you're aware of that song, but uh... <laughs> I am not, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> It makes it more challenging for the players, I think, which is good because you're there. You're there as a tournament director or an event producer, not to go out of your way to confuse the players, like you mentioned. You know, the, the point is not to confuse the players because if they're not good at the games, that will show up in their general play of the games. But it's more challenging when you're splitting to go from a flop to a stud to a draw flop. So, you know, to sort of mix yeah. it up to me, it's a challenge. And I like that because that's a, but more of a, a, a test of your skill um, to yeah, exactly. how well it's your mind adapts. Test to of, games. An yes. appropriate test of uh, mixed games, abilities and skills. Yeah. Yeah. The only dilemma with that is when you get to the five game Horse, or we, we talked about this on a prior episode, yeah, Heroes, true. some are calling it to, to mix up the games, but, you know, there's three three stud games, right, you know, and and yeah. and yeah two flops. So that one becomes hard, and I love Horse. I'd say, let's just get rid of it. We need just to have to make it a six-game mix, but I really like Horse. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind adding another game to it, though, but I know it's a tradition. More on that later. I've okay. got some news that might interest you, Sean. <laughs> okay, excellent. In, right. in the mixed games events section, that is. Yeah, good. All right, so yeah, so we're we're in agreement on uh, the the online play that I mentioned, and on the uh, the order of the eight game mix, and it sounds like we may have um, another order to uh, to give a try and see if that actually helps even more by putting the uh, the draw game, the deuce to seven, in between PLO and limit holdem. Yeah, we'd like to try that out. Yeah, let's go over some upcoming mixed cash game and tournaments. I'll start with the U.S. with a few that I repeat most episodes. Mohegan Sun, Connecticut has an 816 cash game. So I'm starting with cash games in the U.S. An 816-08 stud eight rotation that runs. <clears throat> I also saw a low stakes crazy pineapple game listed. Um, there was only one or two people on the list so I don't think it ever got started, but I believe that may have been, I don't remember where, but I think that was Mohegan Sun, Connecticut as well. Uh, you don't see crazy pineapple cash games spread very often. Foxwoods in Connecticut and Borgata in Atlantic City both have seven card stud cash games um, with Foxwood having a much better selection. And one of the reasons I think Foxwoods has a better selection is that they have a seven card stud bad beat jackpot that they run. And we know bad oh. beat jackpots bring people to card rooms. It's I think it's quad eights have to be beaten. I I believe 
Uh, don't quote me on that, but I believe that's the uh, the qualification. Then over going away from the East Coast out to uh, Las Vegas in Resorts World, there's a 4-8 and 8-16 mixed cash game that runs out there. Also in Las Vegas, South Point Casino has some low stakes mixed cash games. Uh, a 4-8 Omaha 8 game and an 8-16 seven card stud game run at least once in a while. Then they also have out at South Point um, some mixed tournaments, which uh, include regular uh, Tuesday tournament is a $100 buy-in Omaha 8 tournament. And then on Thursdays, they have $150 buy-in 08 stud 8 mixed rotation. Also out in Las Vegas, the, the Orleans Casino has a 4-8-08 cash game, as well as regular mixed tournaments with a $130 buy-in horse on Mondays. <laughs> there we are with the horse. $150 buy-in 08 stud 8 mix on Wednesdays. And on Fridays, they have a $150 buy-in 08 tournament. So those are some <clears throat> regular tournaments and cash games that run as far as some mixed poker tournament events that aren't sort of on a regular weekly schedule. We have the moneymaker tour at the hard rock casino in Cincinnati, Ohio, that will be coming up uh, actually starting the day after this episode is released September 21st through October 2nd, a lot of no, no limit holding events, of course, but, there are a few mixed game tournaments on the schedule. Wednesday, the 27th of September, there's a $300 buy-in horse tournament. And Thursday, September 28th, there's a $600 buy-in, no limit hold'em, PLO, five-card PLO mix. And then finally, Friday, there is a $300 buy-in stud tournament. And the stud and the horse tournaments both have $10,000 guarantees, which is great. Um, I'll be attending that. I have plans. Uh, I have a flight and hotel actually in Cincinnati. So I'm looking to enter the horse and stud tournament. So if you're planning to go, let us know in the comments. Uh, we also have an upcoming Poker Go tour in Las Vegas scheduled for October 5th through the 14th. These are higher buy-in events generally. Uh, but there are some satellites in the you know 750 to sort of $1,100, $1,500 range. But the tournaments are usually five to $10,000 buy-ins, but these are eight game, 10 game, dealer's choice, horse, no limit, deuce to seven, single draw, as well as a triple draw mix. So if you got a little more money sitting around looking for higher buy-in mixed games, that's the Poker Ghost Studio in Las Vegas at the Aria Casino. Then one that uh, I didn't mention last time on the episode, but I did Add it to the Twitter feed, I believe, in the comment section. And that is the WSOP Circuit at Thunder Valley Casino in Lincoln, California. And that runs from September 25th through October 9th. And the mixed tournaments are actually October 2nd through the 6th. So there are a number of $600 buy-in mixed tournaments. There's a $600 buy-in horse, 08, deuce to seven, triple draw, and PLO. Note that each of those are actually circuit ring events. So I'm happy to hear that, that we you know have a circuit event with a number of mixed games, but we need to get some events on the East Coast and in the Northeast, specifically 
um, some of these WSOP circuit events. I know they used to be held in Atlantic City, Harrah's, et cetera, but uh, they seem to be have been taken off the schedule. So we need to get the WSOP circuit events back on the East Coast and specifically in the Northeast and with some mixed game ring events. Finally, I just want to mention the Poker Stars NA Coupe events going on now through October 2nd. So a little clarity here. So NA Coupe was is so North America Championship of Online Poker was formerly the US Coupe and it encompasses three tournament series due to a lack of cohesiveness among the United States states and separately the Canadian provinces. So what we have the three series that make up the NA Coupe which is formerly the U.S. Coupe, are the one PA Coupe, which is for Pennsylvania residents or those in Pennsylvania at the time of the tournament. U.S. Coupe combines Michigan and New Jersey, and the on Coupe is going to be held for those in Ontario, Canada. So you don't have to be a resident, but you have to be in those geographic areas while you're playing the tournament. So, most of the tournaments, those three are similar. They're approximately $50 buy-in eight game, Raz and 08, as well as Deuce to Seven Triple Draw. But the Deuce to Seven Triple Draw does not run in Ontario for some reason. And then there's a $100 buy-in horse, as well as a $200 buy-in eight game Godfather Championship that takes place October 2nd. So again, they're mostly similar among all three markets, uh, the, the guarantees are different different in each of the markets. But if you want to go look at all the details online, just type either PA Coop or US Coop or On Coop or uh, NA Coop into your search engine, and uh, it'll give you the details of those tournaments. So that was a that was a mouthful for the US. Okay. What do you have for us as far as mixed game players in Europe, Martin? Cash games, I don't have anything at the moment. Um, although I'm hoping to get something started in Malta soon. I've been advised to wait until after the uh, W Coop World Championship of Online Poker, which is currently running. So uh, I'm hoping that will start in October. So more details in the next episode, I hope. Now, there's a lot of festivals with some mixed games content in the tournament schedules in the last quarter or the last three and a half months of the year. When the podcast comes out, this episode comes out, um, the World Series of Poker Circuit in Tallinn will be just about over. Um, so the first event after that to, to mention is from the date of this podcast coming out, the 20th of September to the 10th of October, the World Series of Poker International Circuit in Rosvedov. That just has PLO events that be uh, of interest to non-no-limit holding players. The buy-ins for the ring events are between 440 and 2,000 euros. There's also a couple of side events at 220 and 550 euros. From the 23rd of September to the 3rd of October at Portomasso Casino in Malta is the Party Poker Millions. That is mostly no-limit holding tournaments, but there is a an event of horse, 200 euro buy-in, PLO, 330 euro buy-in, PLO, 1,100 euro buy-in, and eight game, 225 euro buy-in. I'll be playing the eight game, but I'm busy for the horse event. Um, 
in Norway, I'm going to butcher the name of this city or town, Gardermoen. Um, from the 30th of September to the 8th of October, there is the Norwegian Poker Championships. All the mixed games tournaments in that championship are only available to Norwegian play players. Um, two and a half thousand krona or five thousand krona buy in. The games are eight game PLO, two to seven triple draw low ball, and there's a round of each Holdem and Omaha. The EPT in Cyprus runs in October. That includes eight game horse, two PLO events, a PLO high low event. And another, well, it's actually the two eight game events. There's one a 1,100 euro buy in eight game event and a 550 euro buy in eight game event. One of the one of the PLO events is a high roller at five thousand two hundred euros. The Battle of Malta from the sixteenth to twenty fifth of October at Casino Malta in Pacheville, Malta, um, includes seven days, seven consecutive days where you can play something with more than two cards. Three of those are four and five card PLO events. There are two fit and special events and one horse event. Sorry, four or four and five card PLO events. So that's that's quite an interesting development on their schedule. There was some PLO and some horse in the last event in spring, but they really seem to be uh, targeting the mixed games players this time. So that's quite interesting, quite exciting to see. Depending on my availability, I'll play something. It's it's a busy month for me, October, so I can't promise to play much, but I will certainly try to support that as much as I can. Also in Malta, this time at Portomato Casino, from the 23rd to the 30th of October is the Malta Poker Festival. There's a crazy pineapple event, a horse event, and a PLO event. Those are all around the 230 to 250 euro buy-ins. The World Series of Poker Europe is in Rosvedov, in the Czech Republic from the 25th of October to the 15th of November. Um, three PLO events and one eight-game event. The eight-game event is €2,000 buy-in. The PLO events range from €550 to €2,000 right up to €5,000. So there's a range of uh, bankroll types supported there. There's no schedule yet out for the Wilsies of Poker Circuit event in San Remo, which is in late October. So uh, I can't give any details about any mixed games event, events in that, but judging by the other World Series of Poker Circuit events in Europe, there should be something to interest people. And finally, the Festival Series Bratislava. I'll be going to this one. It runs from the 27th of November to the 3rd of December. Now, the Festival Series is always at the forefront of innovation where mixed games are concerned in Europe. Uh, I think they've led the charge with people now introducing horse and eight gamers events and also Smith and Special. Now, all the, and also actually they run open-faced Chinese, open-faced open Chinese events as well in their schedules. This time, they're running two main events the usual Holden main event, and a Mixed Games main event. That means that this Mixed Games main event comes with uh, things like uh, additional points for the player of the series. But it's going to be a €550 Euro buy-in, 
and uh, I said to Sean earlier in this podcast that there's going to be more news about another mixed games rotation. This one's going to be called Horses. It's Horse plus Fixed Limits Fit and Special. I'm not sure whether that's going to be the exact order. I was given a call by Franka, Martin Martin uh, von Zweigberg, who is the entrepreneur behind the festival series, about two weeks ago, and he, he told me about this main event idea. Um, and I've written to Martin suggesting that he splits up the, the stud events. So there'll be a... Basically, a stud event, a flop event, a stud game, a flop game, a stud game, a flop game, a stud game, flop game. But I don't know, he might just stick to horses, uh, as it's a fun name and very recognisable name for the uh, for the mix. But I'm excited to go there and play that. I'm also obviously going to play Spit and Special, Eight Game and Horse. Depending how long I'm there, I might also play the Open Face Chinese there's a possibility there might be a big old tournament at the back end of the series. That's not in the uh, draft schedule, but that's another suggestion I put to Martin because there are quite a few PLO events at the back end of that week. And I think it'd be uh, cool to replace one of those with big O, by which I mean five card, but limit or high, low, eight or better. So a lot happening in the next few months in Europe. A lot uh, in the U.S. and in Europe. So did you say the uh, sixth game, the other S, now there's two S's, right, which could be confusing, but it's Smitten Special, right? Is that what I heard? That's correct, yeah. Uh, but normally Smitten Special, especially in Europe, is played as a pot limit game. But to continue the uh, – to make the mix, I suppose, make more sense, I guess you might just simplify the tournament clock as well. The Smith and Special is going to be a fixed limit game, just like the uh, the other five games. We were talking in the last episode how about the WSOP Bahamas and how it sounded like Daniel Negreanu was probably, you know, had some say in that. And he's, you know, trying to catch up on uh, WSOP bracelets. And I, I'm thinking, you know, now you're you're influential here in Europe, and uh, <laughs> Smith and Special is one of your games and now they're adding that game it sounds like you're pulling some strings martin in europe i guess so oh, i was uh really um really pleased to get the call from Franca and to, and to feel that my opinion's worth uh worth seeking uh, i know that i wasn't the only player that he's contacted i know sasha manns a german player who's a friend of mine was was going to be the next call that Franca said he was going to make i can imagine one or two other people that he'll have consulted in uh, kind of finalising that schedule, but uh, yeah, re- really quite flattering to be uh, to be picked out as somebody to be uh, consulted on this. Yeah, and it's interesting that they're adding that game, you know, a a combination game, right? I mean, a draw and um, flop game. Yeah, so that's interesting. But it's uh, it makes sense for this series. It's it's built up a very loyal following, and it's growing and growing. And the Spit and Special tournament has always featured in the festival series, and it's always been popular with the with the kind of core supporters to the mixed games side of this this series. You know, it, it's a it's a real fun series. Every day there are opportunities to gamble as a mixed game player, as a Holden player, and as a casino enthusiast because there are even roulette tournaments, blackjack tournaments, slots tournaments, sports betting tournaments. So. It's just it's just a blast. 
Yeah, it I sounds like you're anybody, doing it right. Yeah, anybody who's interested should 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 dip the toes in, see what they think, and uh, get hooked. <laughs> it's 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 really. Um, by the way, folks, gamble responsibly, but uh, within those within those uh, confines, this this is a good place to try. The buy-ins are not ridiculous as well. As I said, the main event for mixed games is five hundred fifty euros. The horse, sorry, the Holden main event is also five hundred fifty euros, uh, and the the other events. There are a couple of high roller events, but there are kind of, uh, I think, one hundred twenty-five to two fifty, three hundred type range of side events mostly. Gamble responsibly. Just dump all of your money over to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> um, yeah, save, save yourself the bus fare home. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Just just send it over to me, and uh, I'll give you some therapy on the way out. Don't worry. So it sounds like they're doing, you know, by adding Svitten Special, which is popular over there to the to that mix, sounds like the right thing to do, and. You know, you mentioned a, a bunch of other, you know, mixed games, no limit, as well as casino style games. I mean, that's what you do for the consumer base, right? You want to offer a variety. And we mentioned this, I think, on the last episode about all the, these tournaments. We had a small discussion about tournament events that really don't have any mixed games. And you're, you're not really playing to the consumer. And it sounds like that's what they're doing um, for some of these tournaments that you've you've mentioned as well, specifically this one. You know, by adding a game that's popular in, in that yeah. series anyway to a mix and then offering a bunch of No Limit and other casino-style games as well. Indeed. I did do quite a lot of research recently because I'm writing an article for the Poker Listings website on the uh, upcoming events in Europe. And um, I found that there are still a number of events that only offer No Limit Hold'em or No Limit Hold'em with a little bit of PLO. But they're tending nowadays. They're tending to be what look like just local events. The the truly international events look to be more and more adding much more interesting uh, mixed games uh, to the to the to the list, and increasingly so with uh, new iterations of their festival. So it's it's good. It's looking exciting. Yeah, yeah, there is certainly more and more that we're seeing, which is which is wonderful. All right, let's uh, talk about our recent mixed game play. So I'll start. I played a bit online at SWC, not much cash, but I did play some of the 12-game mixed low stakes, which seems to be quite popular. Do, do you see that as well on there, Martin? The 12-game mix seems to be one of the more popular cash games that runs. It is popular, yeah, and, and it's... Uh... It's a nice game to play, although uh, I had a bad run, a, a slightly higher. I, I thought I'll take a shot, play a bit, bit higher than I normally do, and uh, <laughs> had a bad run. That was for the about a week ago. For for about a week, I, I played a few times, and I never seemed to be able to complete. You know, I'd be drawing one card to in a seven card. Sorry, do to seven single uh, triple draw game starting with something like seven five three two and never complete a hand against somebody with a three card draw who eventually makes an eight low that beats me or something. Time after time after time, so I, I ran through some some chips there. Um, so I'm, I'm going back to my normal stakes for now, and I'll, I'll I'll have another shot at that later on. 
uh, when I'm, hopefully build my bankroll up again. But uh, yeah, Martin, don't be results oriented. Give it another <laughs> try. <laughs> I will. I it's will. funny you mentioned that. I, I noticed something similar in some of my Deuce to Seven as well, where, yeah, people drawing three are sort of outdrawing my one draw, for example. And it, it can get a little bit frustrating uh, for sure. To be fair, and this is what people say to me, um, if they're drawing three and you're drawing one, it's much more likely they're going to improve. I'm not sure that that proves sure. that they're playing any better than you, but, but <laughs> right, it's, right. It's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, they have more chances with more cards, yeah. Um, so that's my online cash, live cash. I did play five, ten, seven card stud at Foxwoods in Connecticut. I played quite well early on, but of course I wasn't ready to get up from the game having traveled several hours <laughs> to, to get there and having to travel, knowing I had to travel several hours to get back. So I ended up staying and uh, basically just giving it all back. But it was a take. I got to play for several hours, which was, which was nice. It was a table full of regulars who were blatantly targeting me um, in one instance with a rules offense but yet letting other players go, which I didn't like. So, and this wasn't even really a rules offense in in my opinion, but um, well, they said I didn't announce right. I, this one was, there were two instances. I threw out a chip and as my chip was going into the pot, I forgot it to say, to say raise or complete wherever we were, but I was throwing the chip. It was probably in midair when I said it and they called me on that. And I said, look, I, I get it. I'm fine. I, I, and I'm actually one who's very used to, I almost always verbalize my action knowing that that's the best way to do it. So they called me out on that and I thought that was fair. But the other one was that I, I must've, the action wasn't on me, but I raised my finger and must've waved it side to side. I think I was thinking about what I was going to do when it got around to me, waved my finger. And someone said that that was a check. I mean, I didn't tap it on that. My hand was nowhere near the oh, table. It was wow. in midair. And someone said, well, that's, he checked. And I was like, and they said, you did this. And what they did was they put their finger in the air and moved it left to right. And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't see that as a check, even if it was on my turn and it wasn't my turn at the time, but I kind of got overruled with that. And I wasn't real pleased with that, but the thing that really bothered me was that there were other players at the table not following the rules. And to me, I'm one, if it's either all or nothing, everybody or nobody, we're either calling everybody out or nobody. We're not picking on me because you know, I'm the new player and the rest of you are regulars here. So that I made comments about that because I don't, I don't agree with that. What do you think about this Martin in the seven in seven card stud, there was a player who was not only just touching the cards, the the up cards that the dealer placed, not only were they just touching there, because sometimes I will touch mine to make sure it's clear which one was dealt first, second, third, for example, third, fourth, fifth street. Mm -hmm. This player was actually moving them. They had all their cards lined up from left to right, and they would move a card, every other card that was dealt. Third street was dealt, then fourth street would go to the right. Then they would put fifth street on the left side, basically on the left of third street, and then sixth street on the right of fourth street. And I was like, this is out of control. Whoa. I don't That's know. Ridiculous. Are there rules? Yeah. And you're. I don't, is that a rule? I thought it was a rule, but they were saying that's not a rule here that they have to necessarily go in order. And I thought I've never 
been at a card table where it wasn't a rule. What have you seen in your experience? Okay, I can't quote the rules, but I would wish I could because see, this is something that I have a bit of a crusade about. The dealers here in Malta, at the moment at Potomac Casino, when we play the eight game, the weekly eight game tournament, which is a low buy-in, uh, we have a lot, a bunch of new dealers that are inexperienced. Some of the players are quite rude with them about some of the mistakes they make. I try to be uh, patient with them and explain where they need to do things differently. But the 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 way that they deal the stud games, if if you're in seat four exactly opposite the dealer, they'll deal it fine. But seat eight. They kind of deal Third Street out and Fourth Street between kind of that card and the dealer's position. So that one happens to be closer to the player. Do you understand what I mean? So rather than it, the, the cards being dealt in a fashion where they come out from the player, they come back towards the player. You can actually tell which is first because the second one overlays the first one, but it still is something that I try to get them to, to do correctly. And another thing that happens so, in Malta... Yeah, are on. you saying 4th fourth, fourth Street is closer to the player or the dealer as opposed to 3rd Street, for example? Well, the, the dealer deals it, de deals all the 4th... I'll put it another way. So the dealer deals all the 4th Street cards closer to him than the 3rd Street cards. This, and this that's specific what I'm dealer. used to. This yes, specific and that's dealer. how I thought ah, it was supposed but, to be. Yeah. No, 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 no. If you, if you imagine right. seats one and eight, he's actually placed Third Street in a certain position and Fourth Street, rather than being closer to the centre of the table, is closer to the dealer, which makes it closer uh, to also the player. So okay. the, the people opposite the dealer, yes, the second, the, the Fourth Street card is closer to the middle of the table and then the Fifth Street again. But the other players that are on the same side of the table as the dealer, that doesn't happen. So that's something that I'm trying to get the dealers to understand. But I don't play that tournament too often. So um, I guess they develop bad habits and people don't correct them. Might be rude to them about not dealing well, but they don't necessarily correct them in the right ways. So uh, I was there on Saturday and it was doing that. they were doing that again. Another thing that happens is uh, there's an old guy that plays in Malta and the, he, he tends to be very much tolerated because, I guess because, I mean, he'll say when he's playing a cash game uh, that he'll sit, sit down with some money and he'll say uh, to newcomers, he'll say, uh, he'll say, oh, I bought that. He'll point to some uh, light fitting or something. I bought that light fitting. I bought the chair you've been sitting on. Basically, he's in the casino every night losing lots of money. So they tolerate his bad behaviour too much. Um, not necessarily really ridiculously bad behaviour, but um, when he's playing stud, he'll get his two down cards and his third street card, and he'll pick up his third street card, put it on top of the other two cards, and with his hand on top of the third street card, he's looking at his two other cards. So nobody can see his third street card. Um, and that's tolerated because, as I say, he's he, financed the casino in certain in certain ways. Um, 
it's that I always just I always just say, look, uh, can I see your third, your up card, and uh, and then he, he'll uh, he'll put it down. But uh, the dealers won't 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 clamp down on him because, like I say, it's tolerated. What he does is tolerated, and some of the players are too shy to say anything, and some of the players don't even look. You know, this is uh, this is a poker is not dead. Fact: <laughs> Some players don't even look round at the up cards. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they 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 need to listen to this podcast to learn some basic <laughs> strategy tips. <laughs> Very basic, indeed. Yeah, indeed. that's a shame that the casino tolerates it. Um, we've unfortunately seen some behavior, you know, poor behavior in the poker world, and that gets talked about as well, right? With Phil Helmuth and some of his antics, how well it's tolerated because of who he is for example. So we, we do see it. I don't agree with it. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I have a feeling this person, even if the, the casino, the dealer comments that he has to show, you know, not put his hand on his third street card. I have a feeling that he's still going to want to play cards and still dump a bunch of money. I don't think that's going to turn him off. I, I somehow doubt it, but I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, um, you're right. He, he can uh, be very loud and, and, and seem quite aggressive when people tell him things that he doesn't want to hear. So uh, young, inexperienced dealers can find it quite hard to confront him about anything. Right. And, I mean, that kind of plays into this game. At, um, one of the dealers at Foxwoods, she sort of agreed when I my, my finger shaking. I think that was she was there maybe during this ruling. And she, you know, this gentleman next to me said that was a check. And I said, look, I'm not going to argue. And the dealer said, OK, check. And everybody in agreement, whatever. And uh, I said, I'm fine with that. And I, I did actually make a point. I said, look, it's the, the dealer is running this game. If the dealer makes that ruling, then that is the ruling. And she said, I, it, it's a check. And I said, okay, then that's what it goes by. I said, the dealer's in, in charge of this game. They said, don't give her a big head, big ego. They were joking about that part, but that's how I <laughs> yeah. see it. The dealer is running the game, and that's how it should yeah, be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The dealers need right, a, me... a level of confidence to to follow that through sometimes that, that they don't always have. Yeah. Absolutely. And that follows through with our last episode where we were we were talking about encouraging the dealers to, to come out and deal at these games, you know, and try not to give them too much of a hard time, but encourage them because we need more dealers and we need more dealers of mixed games as well. Yeah, indeed. So, Correct. Let me finish up my play here. Um, I did play some oh. tournaments on SWC. I played a uh, a Dramaha, also known as Svitten Special tournament um it was only like the third time i've played this game and i have to say in my opinion it's one of the tougher mixed games to get used to and i think that's just because it's going between you know five card a draw game five card draw with a single draw you know only one draw and then omaha high with the five community cards so it's a little takes some time to wrap your mind around figuring out not only what to do between a draw and a flop game, uh, but as well as how many to draw during the draw round based on your potential draw hand and how many to keep, depending on how closely you may have hit in the flop, hit the flop, for example, not to mention keeping track of all the other action, for example, <clears throat> your the number of cards your opponents are drawing, 
This game was discussed in episode 21, so you can get some some advice there. And I have begun reading your book, Martin, on Pot, Limit, Pot Limits Fit and Special. So I wanted to get more involved and decided to enter this, this tournament. I did fall one spot short of cashing, but I did well. I placed eighth out of 51 players. I thought that was rather well for, mm. you know, probably about my only my third time. So it's a testament to the uh, material you can find in Martin's book. Thank you, Sean. That's a, I appreciate that feedback. It's uh, it's a shame you didn't go even further, but uh, well done on getting uh, getting past so many players. Uh, yeah, I, I, I you, was, you're I quite was, a quite a beginner in. To be fair, yeah, that's that's, that's good. Yes, that's, quite that's pleased with it. And yeah, my final. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And I, I I do think you know if you're looking to to get into that game, um, Martin book, it, it's a bit detailed. Um, I've only really begun to read it. Um, but there's a lot of good strategy in just the first uh, few pages that, I, that I've gotten through um, to help me through that. Finally, I was in an eight-game tournament on SWC, which Martin also entered. We were both okay. at the top of the leaderboard, yep, for a while, battling back and forth. I ended up losing a couple of big pots and busting. And on that note, I'll turn it over to Martin for his recent mixed gameplay. Yes, I've played an awful lot online recently, and I actually can't remember where I finished in that tournament. I can remember being in there with you, and we were both doing well for a while. Did I cash? I can't remember. Um, I did I see where I you did. finished. I can't, I can't recall if you cashed. I know you, you, you ended up getting close to cashing. I, I, you were just either just outside or just inside the money. I can't recall. I think on that evening, I played that tournament and the drum, the Svitten tournament. I think I won the Svitten and bubbled the eight game. If I yes, remember correctly. you were in both, and you were yeah. doing quite well in both. And for you yeah. started to drop off for a while in the eight game, um, and I was like, I wonder if you, I had assumed you just started focusing on the uh, on the other tournament because I know you were doing well in that too. I was focusing on both, but uh, the cards were not going my way in the eight game. This this fit, and I ended up winning. If I if that's if that's the evening, and I think it is that I'm, that I remember, I won this fit and tournament. I haven't done a blog post on that yet for the Substack, um, and I was the bubble in the eight game. Oh, was I? Was I? There was another. I played the eight game another time and I was something like seventh and I think three were paid. And uh, one of my friends actually won that tournament. I've played quite a bit recently, like I've said. I played a couple of WCOOP tournaments. I cashed in the uh, the low-end buy-in horse tournament a couple of days ago. I came nowhere in the... Uh, Five-card PLO high-low tournament, despite entering four times and <laughs> maximum three re-entries. And I also played Badoogie, and I got a min-cash in that one. So mixed mixed results in that. In cash games, as I said earlier, I played some... I, I took a shot at some higher buy-in cash games on, on SWC Poker, 12-game, and did did quite badly, really. So uh, back down to my normal buying level and I'll try to build up again. I've done okay. Uh, the the low buying levels with uh, 12 game, Spit and Special and Pineapple Face Chinese 
and also even a bit of six card Omaha high low. I hate it better, but uh, yeah, building back up again. As far as life plays concerned, I've played the split and special once and the eight game once in Portomaso Casino, the weekly tournaments, and come nowhere in, in both of those. These uh, these last two attempts, but uh, enjoyed myself a lot and. Uh, I'll, I'll get to get along to those every time I can, but it, it's just not as often as I like. I came second today in a one of the daily tournaments on Poker Stars, actually. Polymit Omaha High Low, five card Polymit Omaha High Low. Came second in $11 buy in one. Lost on the last hand to one outer, flopped a set of fours with, an, with a king in my hand as well, and the king on the turn completed his set. <laughs> but that's poker. In the drama ha tournament I was in, people were winning with, you know, not the greatest of hands. And then I happened to be down to my last few chips and I was all in and I managed a straight on the uh, Omaha side. And of course, someone ended up with a full house. I'm like, come on, two pair and sets have been <laughs> winning and I finally get a straight and now a full house beats me. <laughs> I played a hand a few days ago where the cash game hand, where I took a one card draw and hit my flush. And the guy I was up against drew three cards and he hit a full house. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, that's where we try not to try not to be results oriented, right? We keep repeating exactly. that to ourselves. Yes. Excellent. A lot of mixed gameplay um from both of us. Yes, true. Well, that's all for episode 37, Squid Game. Join us again in three weeks for episode 38, where we will discuss the amped up game of Super Hold'em. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold them and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pot Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Draw Maha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages, it also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end, which goes through a few other variations of Svit and Special or Draw Maha that I have played at, at that point when I'd written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy, no ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in a work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R, all the games. 
It's poker, at poker, all the games, but there's no E in poker because it's too many letters for Twitter. Or subs- And or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com. And when you see our um, on Twitter, we post these uh, episodes. And or if you go to uh, Substack and subscribe there, uh, hit the like button for us. Send a subscribe um, to pokerchannel.substack.com. And you can also follow Martin at go ahead martin okay my handle is uh, on both twitter and substack uh, is poker for leisure or poker for leisure p-o-k-e-r the number four l-e-i-s-u-r-e so on twitter it's poker for at poker for leisure and on substack it's poker for leisure.substack.com thank you for listening to poker all the games Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Poker.